Hi everyone, welcome to the Stay Hungry podcast. It's Joel and Andy, and today we're going to be talking about what are we going to talk about? Common mistakes in marketing. Let's fucking do it! Way. I mean, you, you clearly covered my mistake there. <laughs> Slight pause for effect. I thought it yeah. was Joel. Yeah, and then just dramatic emphasis. We do prepare. Yeah, literally, you've just seen me go and get my notes, so I don't know what happened then, just had a brain melt. Common mistakes in marketing. Are these in any order? No. I guess severity? I I guess mistakes is harsh, isn't it? But these are things that when clients come to us, we see over and over again. And also businesses who think they're doing marketing, but they're actually just doing advertising or they're just doing networking. There's no congruence to what they're... My mate does a bit of marketing. Does a bit of web design as well. Well, as you say to me very often, you went on a half-day course once. And, like, I, I use Canva. I'm a graphic designer now. Yeah, yeah. I can regret doing that degree. And did that, ma- did that make your list, the fact that there are so many free, quite intuitive tools out there that everyone thinks they're their marketer? Without, without sounding too precious about our craft. I mean, you and I have gone through this before, so I, I genuinely think it would be fair to say that you didn't, necessarily see the value in professional photography once upon a time well only because we've had some shit photography (laughs) (laughs) but then we've recently had some very good professional photography and your mindset shift on that is quite significant and i think it's the same thing in marketing or graphic design what film did i just think of the ending Oh, that's probably a bit too not giving any clues. Yeah, I didn't. I was not. I'm not on the same wavelength today. Uh, okay. Go on, Indiana Jones. Right. Uh, Temple of Doom, where he gives the rock back at the end of the film. He goes, "Yeah, I understand its power now." That's just okay. what I thought of when I thought when you said about the photography. Because I, when I saw those shots, I was like, "Yeah, shit." I, I still maintain good photography on its own from a certainly from a social media perspective it needs the copywriting needs context yeah yeah yeah. absolutely but but even now there are so i mean we're filming this on a on an iphone 13 whatever there are 11 year olds out there with iphone 13s that doesn't mean they're gonna be great photographers so my 11 year old uses Canva. She was saying to me about, oh, can I have your Canva login? I was like, how do you know what Canva is? Oh, yeah, I want to do some design stuff. Now, so just because there are amazing tools and cameras and stuff, that doesn't mean you're going to be an amazing marketer or an amazing photographer. Yet, because these tools are available, we, i got to be honest, a couple of my friends pivoted when lockdown hit and started trying to sell photography services. And it's like, well, okay, they can take an okay photo, but compared to the professional ones we just had done. Yeah. Not a patch. You look at Evie and our team. She's our designer. And there are people out there who are very good with Canva or very good with free Photoshop equivalents and can put a leaflet together. There are not many people out there that can put a brochure together like Evie can. It's it's a skill in itself. There's plenty of people out there who are quite good at football. There aren't many David Beckhams in the world. It's a different thing. And I've just bought his body spray. Never had it before, but it was two pounds in Sainsbury's. So I didn't I thought, know he had a body spray. David Beckham. Oh yeah. So is this a body? Is this not a deodorant? Just a body spray? But a deodorant and body spray are the same, aren't they? It's not an antiperspirant. I don't do antiperspirants. Don't you? No, I don't. My dad always had a thing blocking about, your pores. About blocking. So, so remember? Well, I don't know if you remember. In the eighties, there was a, a, a 
an antiperspirant called was it Natrel or something like that and it works in harmony with your body so it was an antiperspirant but apparently didn't somehow block your sweat pores because dad was dad would say if you block your sweat pores that shit will just stay in your body and where it needs to really come out so I've always just so I mean, your dad was, your dad was a GP, so not yeah. like a minor or something. So it's like oh, yeah. <laughs> there's logic yeah. to it. Oh yeah, he knew his stuff. Um, so so just I've just so I've just never bought antiperspirant. So, so David Beckham's got like a body spray. So your dad's logic was sweating is part of the body's way of releasing toxins. Yes, and if you block those toxins in, yes, you're not releasing them. Yes, I like that. Yeah, but I don't know. Well, obviously, it, it didn't stop the sales of antiperspirants. Oh, well, I was going to say, you I'm genuinely, I think you'll be glad that I wear antiperspirants. Well, um, I was I was about to say, you know, I know it's a Martin podcast, I don't want to grow something like that, but um, I really don't sweat that much anyway, so it's not so... I've seen you come out of the gym and, and thought, doesn't look that sweaty. Yeah, that's probably because I lift very little weights. Mm, or I've, I've just sat, in, sat having a coffee. I've never seen you go... I've never seen you not work hard in the gym. Maybe not lift heavy, but I've never seen you not work hard. But you How know, the hell are we talking about this? Um, How do we get on to David Beckham body spray? Uh, good football. footballers, mm. and then you've been using David Beckham's body spray. But yeah, same in marketing. So is this on your list then, about everyone thinks they're a marketer? Um, I think we're in that. It, this is a bit like when digital cameras came out. So photography is a really good example. that When it was expensive to take a photo, so when you had to use film and then get mm. it developed nobody was very good at taking a photo because you couldn't practice and you didn't know what your outcome was going to be till you got it developed. Mm. When digital cameras came out, I remember, because I was sort of in my last few years at school when they became affordable, and people started bringing them to school and taking photos So it was pr- before you could take photos on a phone. And, and obviously, by almost necessity, everybody got better at taking photos. Then Instagram's come along. And initially, everybody got really good at taking pictures of their dinner. And now, you know, I mean, I'm one of the worst. I take lovely pictures of my dog because I like taking nice pictures of my dog. But I'm not a photographer. I'm a good amateur. And like the football analogy with David Beckham, there's a big difference between playing football four or five hours a day and being very good and playing football nine or ten hours a day and being paid to do it. It and you can apply it to all sorts, you know, pe- landscape gardeners. There's people who are really good at gardening, but they couldn't landscape their garden. So basically, a common mistake is just because you've got a super cool camera or a super cool phone, you should still invest in professional photography. Yes. So in marketing terms, all of the marketing tools are available to everybody now. They can go on Facebook ads if they want. They can go into YouTube if they want. You can go on Google ads if you want. You can even sit the courses that Facebook and Google offer. Build a, build a website on Wix or Yeah, you can build a website on WordPress if you mm. wanted to, if you had the inclination. Um, you could sit an Udemy course and learn how to code. There's all these things mm. available to you. But ultimately, people like you and I and our team, we're listening to podcasts about marketing. We're reading about marketing. We're doing the philosophy of marketing. We're using the tools. We're in touch with the companies that make the tools. So there is a difference, and that's where we see some of the common mistakes come from, is that you can get into bad habits if you don't know what the bad habits are. Mm. It it, it can even happen at a professional level, but, you know, I think most people can get traction for their business themselves to start with. That's I'm not I'm not precious about it. If if my friends would start a business tomorrow and say, What should I do? 
I'd be like, well, get out and pound the pavements, get yourself in front of as many of the right people as you can. And until you've done that, don't come back and talk to me. Yeah. But I think you've got to live, breathe, eat, sleep and shit marketing or employ someone to do it or outsource it. Yeah. I think it's so – and not just marketing. There are other other crucial skills. I know, say, sales, for example. Uh, some people are natural good salespeople. Some people have to work very hard at it. But very few will love it and, and think about it on a Saturday yeah. or think or see something on a Sunday evening about how – and think, oh, I could apply that to my sales technique. And I, so I would say – I don't offend anyone now, but – if you treat your marketing as a part-time job, you'll get part-time results. So just because Steve in accounts has a bit of an Instagram following, that doesn't mean that Steve should run your business yes, social media. Exactly. I think I think once your business has grown to £5,000 a month plus, there's no way you could dedicate enough time to your marketing for it to be as effective as it should be. You just can't because you'll have too much other stuff going on. You'll have... Unless you recruit... I don't know, an MD or operation that, and you become the full-time. Yeah, and, and the maths don't stack, do they? It's so, yeah, so some of the things uh, that we see crop up, and I've jotted a few down. Oh, okay. So infrequency and inconsistency. So what I mean by that is, and this is something all business owners, the trap they all fall into, oh, I tried a bit of that Facebook. Well, what do you mean? Well, I, I posted on it every day for three weeks and nothing happened. Right, there's people on there that have posted every day for a year and nothing's happened, and then and then it's gone banana. Our podcast is an example of that. We podcasted for six months before we got any traction. I think James Smith, what was he? It was about two or three years of sending emails once a day, posting videos once a day. So when so he gets really riled up when people think it just came to him overnight. Yeah, I I, I think that phrase now. How did you become an overnight success or or whatever? You should just have a wry smile and take it as a compliment because mm. there's, it just doesn't exist. No, it took me 10 years to become an overnight success. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So infrequency, yeah, that's, that's yeah. What was it? What, what do you think it is then? What, lack of patience? They just want, you think these days people expect everything now? Yeah, so, I mean, Gary Vaynerchuk, he talks about patience is the, patience and kindness are the two biggest skills in business and the two skills that are most lacking. That's interesting. And um, he says you should always be playing the long game because if you're playing the slow game, you'll get burned. Uh, sorry, if you're playing the short game, you'll get burned. And uh, so that's about you know reputation. It's about consistency. It's about frequency. And what he means by that, I think, is that if you try and make a quick buck, you're getting yourself into that feast and famine roller coaster. So you might jump on a trend that's particularly trendy that week and yeah it generates 100 leads and maybe you convert 50% of them because it was right on trend at that moment in time but then you've got to wait for the next trend and, and also get your timing exactly right for it to come off where if you could consistently get yourself 50 customers a month without having to do that that is a much stronger business plan moving forward That's that frequency and that consistency is is going to protect you long term when things like COVID hit, you're not going to get mm. as pounded. Mm. And that's very hard. I mean, I'm not a patient person. I don't think you're a particularly patient person. It's really hard sometimes when you're doing something to sit there and go, I need to wait. 
I think I said on an email some months ago that a rough, rough rule of thumb would be if you're testing a new form of marketing, new to your business, you've got to give it a year. And that's very much, again, rough generalization. But I was thinking, okay, well, there's networking, there's social media, there's paid for social media, there's uh, ads in a magazine, there's launching a podcast. So, so I was thinking about main things like that. And yeah, rough rule of thumb, give yeah. it a year. And like say, post on Facebook, for example, if you can reach more than 5% of your Facebook page's audience, you're doing well. So if, so if you think, even if you've got a thousand followers, when you post something on average, like 50 people will see it. So within 10 minutes, they'll have probably it's gone. Have yeah, forgotten yeah. that post anyway, until you post the next day. And of course, if you're posting shit, they won't engage with it, which means the algorithm will just bump Show all it your to posts yeah. lower down their timeline. So, to, to put aside the time to research, to think about, and to post something of meaning. And, and our, our rule of thumb is it's got to educate, um, educate, inspire, or entertain. If it does do one of those three things, don't post it. But if it does, post it, and then post something, again, that fits one of those three things the next day, and the next day, and the next day, for a year. And we know so many, and, and we've ha- we see this all the time, with employees in a business that fancy themselves social media, realize it would be a string to their bow if they can show their boss that not only are they good at their day job, they can take care of the boss's social as well. They they attack it gung-ho, full-on, brilliant, brilliant. Within a couple of weeks, oh, haven't posted for a couple of days. And they, they quickly go off the boil. Yeah. Having that consistency, that stubbornness to stick at it and to do it properly for a year, it's just not always doable. And if you are a boss and you are going that route of an employee-based you know, marketing department or a marketing employee, you need to give them KPIs so that you can measure them. So one of those KPIs might be to post at least once a day. But that's the only way you're going to protect your business from infrequency is if it's their job to post every day, you can hold it against them if they don't. The problem being when naive employers trust people to do their marketing because they've got a bit of flair for Instagram or TikTok or whatever it might be, but they don't set those KPIs that would exist in every other part of their business. So how frequent do you post would be a KPI. Uh, What are the categories of posts? In our case, you know, entertain, educate, um, finish me off. Inspire. Inspire. I always get inform and inspire. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. so if you set those boundaries early doors, you can protect yourself from infrequency and inconsistency. Yeah. But what tends to happen, as well as being infrequent, is something doesn't get as much of a bite as they hoped it would. So the next thing they do is in- completely different. So that like everything was red one week and the following week it's all blue. And you just can't do that. That's mm-hmm. not how you build a congruent brand. So something you touched on there that is also a clear error is not testing and measuring. So maybe your brand is red and blue and you're going to run a campaign. You might split test that campaign with all the ads having a red background and all the ads having a blue background and seeing which one gets the cheaper cost per lead or cheaper cost per click. What we tend to find when we inherit ad accounts or inherit print media is it's ne- it's never been tested and measured there's never been a split test and i think the reason for that is simple is that 
it's a bore lake. But like most things, it gets easier the more you do it. So for us, it's water off duck's back because that's our job to yeah, do it yeah, every day. Yeah. But for most business owners, it's like, fucking hell. So I, I don't have to just do that ad group. I have to try and think of another ad group to test the other one against. And then I've got to do the same with the headline and then the same with the primary text and the same with the image. And now you're telling me I should test the red background. Oh, fucking hell. And sometimes you think, well, shit, yeah, that really doesn't sound like much fun. And let's face it, if stuff isn't that fun, it doesn't get done. Oh, bloody hell, that rhymes. Stuff isn't fun, it doesn't get done. Write that down. And that is why we help people and have fun, because if stuff isn't fun, it doesn't get done. That's your poster, isn't it? Yeah. That's your, the more more you connect, the more you collect. That's it for today now. Thank you, it's been a pleasure. (laughs) I'm here all week. (laughs) So yeah, if you're, if anything you do in marketing should be measurable, um, We've worked with people who don't believe in measures unless those measures are financial. That's not necessarily true. It might, it could be a number of things, but yeah, you you've got to give your marketing company or your marketing department or your marketing employee the parameters, so the KPIs, and then measure against them. That might be frequency, it might be reach, it might be clicks, it might be cost per click, it might mm-hmm. be cost per lead, it might be number of leads, it might be. Spike in website traffic, it might be time spent on website. There's loads of metrics you can use that will indicate whether your marketing is working or not. And what the mistake most people fall into is they only measure their marketing one way, and it's a short-term measurement. So we told people we had an offer on these biscuits. We didn't sell any more biscuits, so the offer obviously didn't work. Well, did you tell the right people? Yeah. Is it January so people aren't eating biscuits? There's, there's, a, there's yeah. a lot more to yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and if you don't test a measure, you'll never know. Mm. So that, that was one. Okay. What's else on your list? Not niching. Oh, bloody hell. Fuck That's everything a- else until you do this. Chapter one of the Stay Hungry book. That's a podcast in itself, Best isn't it? on Amazon. <laughs> a best-selling book on Amazon, did you say, Joel? Yeah, yeah that was it. It's, my, it. it's my chapter, this one. In four countries now. Um, yeah, so knowing... I mean, niching. You can niche your audience, obviously, know who you're targeting. You can niche the categories you work within. I mean, niching has been a bit of a trendy term, but it is, it's vital. And like I said, chapter one of our book is fuck everything else until you've done this. If you're, if you're trying to just appeal, I, I know, I always talk about car dealers. I don't know why, but maybe because it just applies to a lot of business types. But if you're a car dealer, you might think, well, I just want to sell a car to anyone over the age of 17 who's got a driving license that ain't niching that isn't your sweet spot finding that sweet spot the people most likely to buy off you drives and determines everything in your marketing yeah that is a central spine to your marketing that you might veer left and right but you always come back to that core demographic and there's so many reasons for it um a really obvious and easy one that that's so easy to understand is if you're having lots of similar conversations chances are you'll get better at those conversations whereas if you're dealing with everybody, you're having a different conversation every day, you're getting stretched too thin. Um, and that, that might be hard for some business owners because a proud business owner, and all of us have felt like this, think that they can serve everybody. Everyone should want this. Everyone should need this. I'm brilliant. at My widget for Ford Focuses actually works on Volkswagen Polos as well, and everyone should want this. 
No, because then your language won't be Mm -hmm. focused, your adverts won't be focused, your imagery won't be focused, your body language won't be focused, your tone of voice won't be focused. And actually finding a niche, when you live in a country of 70 million people like we do, niching isn't a bad thing. There's some pretty bloody big niches out there if you think, you know, it might be you're just for gyms. Well, that's probably still 3 million people, so you'll be all right. If, if it's tighter than that, you know, my wife's into some interesting niches like door mice and stuff. There's still a bloody audience for it. She still goes around village halls doing door mice talks. So there's people out there that want it. And that's where you have to be with it is, you know, not everyone's going to be the next Dyson or it's, it's yeah. you've got to know who you're talking to, target them laser focused and then speak their language. Yeah. Cool. Right. Well, we nailed well, that. That was quick. Bloody hell. No tangents or anything. So not capturing emails. That's one on my list. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. So we've talked about this before. Um, that control. Email is, you know, Mark Zuckerberg said over a decade ago, email is dead. Um, he was wrong. Uh, but so, it, of course, in terms of, messaging your mates and all that kind of stuff. You know, email, yeah, stopped a long time ago. Direct messaging is... Do you remember when forward. people used to do that? Round-robin emails in departments right, who wants to go to the pub tonight? Yeah, bloody hell. Can you imagine getting an email asking you to get to the pub? No, that'd blow my mind. Mad, mad, is it? And now we get excited by something coming through the post rather than email, how things are flipped. Imagine if um, someone sent you a letter asking you to get to the pub. I might do that. God, I remember we talk about, talk about with the mum the other day about how my um, grandma and Indy used to, like, send you know, um, airmail letters, you know, that all open up as one, the envelopes all, it's all one yeah. thing. And she just used every square centimetre of space, even writing around the edge. And, and I forgot that people used to do that too. Right, they'd, they'd write on the lines and then they'd write right around, around the, the edge, edge and then PTO yeah. and do the same it's on the mad. Side. Things change quickly. But yes, yeah, so emails, as a way of one-to-one direct communication, maybe within groups, that's gone. But in terms of, liaising with prospects and customers email is now become a vastly underused tool yeah it's it's, it's it puts the control in your hands um, not everyone will open up an email but you know if you can hit 20 percent, happy days that's that's 20 percent better than you would have yeah. if you hadn't sent the email um and if it's done right every email you send will have some measurable result whether it's opens whether it's clicks whether it's unsubscribes and that's data you can use so if you find out bloody old joel look the last 10 emails we sent bob and sue opened up all of them we should do something for bob and sue and it, it and it allows who, who are bob and sue no i be in touch no <laughs> it allows you to to niche down your targeting and if you're using a proper email system there are loads of them out there some some better than others it really allows you to do some really cool stuff um, in terms of, again, the, the, the tracking of what happens with that data. Yeah. Yeah, exactly that. And, and ultimately, you're protecting your business. If Facebook dies tomorrow, you've got all those email addresses. If, well, I mean, I, mean, I mean, literally this year, we've seen both Google and Facebook go down. If that had, hap- if that had been prolonged for more than a couple of days, what would businesses have done mm-hmm. if they didn't have email addresses? And you know you could you could extend that to phone numbers and physical addresses. I mean, there's there's no greater opportunity in marketing at the moment than printed post. We, I mean, we've spoken with business owners um, who 
are obsessed with getting more data, getting more leads, getting new leads. I want your, more people in my pipeline. I want more people. Okay, great. How many people have you got in your database at the moment? Oh, about 30,000. It's like, fucking hell, how many? It's, how often do you stay in touch with them? Oh, three or four times a year? It's we, like, we, holy shit. We sat in the room with a business owner who said exactly that the other day. And then on the Friday, he sent an email and he made £24,000 out of his database. That tells you everything you need to know about emails. And and that's to a database that aren't warm because he doesn't email them very frequently. So lots of people out there, yeah, they are already sitting on a gold mine. But, you know, as entrepreneurs, we're always looking for the next shiny thing. And I want more emails. I want more emails. I want more email addressing my database. What are you doing with your current database? I'm emailing twice a year. Right, okay, let's look at that first. Yeah. <laughs> Before we start, like you said earlier, um, it's easier and more cost-effective to keep a customer or get a customer to, to upsell a customer, to get them to buy again, to get them to refer a friend than it is to go and get a brand yeah. new one. I mean, we've met six or seven big business, well, by big business, I mean, I mean, multi six figure businesses. We've met six or seven multi six figure businesses this year who don't have a database. And we met one recently who's uh, pretty famous um, but was concerned that he was over emailing his database. And it turned out he was emailing them once a month. So straight away he sent another email that made him thousands of pounds. So, yeah, I mean, that, 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 that's, that's a good one to end on. Nice. Excellent. Right. I think we can come. I think we come back to that niche. I think we should do a podcast specifically on niche. niche. Yeah, and I was gonna, I was gonna pick up on don't copy your competitors, but we'll leave it there. Don't copy your competitors because the reason they're operating at your level at the moment is because they're doing everything to operate at that level. And if you want to go to the next level, copying them won't get you there. Yeah, wasn't uh, Brad Burton says to be the market leader, you'll never get there. Copying the market leader. That's cool. Like that. Take care, everyone.